uh, and not in this class, but in the second class, I kind of beat up on Danica, um, and, and people got mad at me because I was this big bully, you know, saying, well, what do you think, Danica, what do you think? And she got mad, and so I thought, well, it would be um, kind of refreshing and maybe a little enlightening for us to broaden our scope, and, and, I, and so Dr. Fernandez is going to come talk to us about, that's what we talked about, right? Yeah. Okay. So, take it away. Yeah, basically, I just, just titled a little talk that I'm going to give a Christian view of morality and tolerance. Um, because Protestantism doesn't have uh, an infallible pope, you know, what I say, there's going to be even some, you know, many Christians who would disagree with me. Uh, but what I believe that I'll be representing is the uh, traditional, historical perspective of the Christian church uh, throughout the ages. Uh, and, and, and it's not always easy to uh, define exactly what that is once you get beyond the core set of beliefs of uh, traditional Christendom. Um, but basically, I, I think uh, when we deal with the Christian view of morality and tolerance and the non-Christian view of morality and tolerance, I think uh, ultimately the biggest disagreement that the Christians have in this area and the non-Christians have and, and from this point of departure, it, it, uh, we branch off into almost opposite directions, uh, is the fact that the, the, the Christian accepts moral absolutes. In other words, the Christian accepts the belief that there are some uh, things that are right for all people at all times and all places, and there are some actions that are wrong for all people at all times and all places. Those are moral absolutes. I'm not saying that every moral command in the Bible qualifies as a moral absolute. That's why Christians no longer slaughter animals and offer animal sacrifices like the Old Testament Jews did. Those were temporary commands God gave for the nation of Israel. But some of God's commands, such as uh, thou shalt not steal, uh, things of that sort, the Christian would consider them moral attributes, uh, moral absolutes. Now. The alternative perspective, which is becoming more and more common in our society held by uh, non-Christians, is the view called moral relativism. Moral relativism can, can take many different uh, directions itself, but primarily the, the, the usual way it's presented is that what's right for me is right for me, it doesn't have to be right for you, and vice versa. Now, some would argue well, the, the, the standard for what is right and what is wrong is, is, is above individuals, and they would say society decides. Others would say maybe a world consensus decides. Uh, the Christian would say, no, God decides what is right and what is wrong. Um, now, I, I do think that the moral relativism is, is bankrupt, intellectually bankrupt, uh, for several reasons. The two leading ones is if moral relativism is true, if we say that the moral standard, what is right and what is wrong, each individual decides, then one individual can't call the actions of another, another individual evil, so that you would not be able to call Adolf Hitler's actions evil. So if you want to appeal to a higher standard, maybe we say, well, maybe society decides. Each society decides what is right and what is wrong. Problem with that is then one society like America cannot call another society like Nazi Germany evil. So others would appeal to a world consensus. Number one, it's hard to figure out exactly what the world consensus is on any issue anyway. 
uh, but the world has been wrong in the past. What makes us think it's, it's going to be right now? Uh, one time we thought the woman was the property of her husband. One time the world consensus was that slavery is perfectly acceptable. At one time the world's consensus was that the uh, world is flat. So if the world's been wrong in the past, it can be wrong now. The Christian would argue that there has to be an absolute moral lawgiver uh, who stands above uh, all mankind, all societies, any world consensus, and that these moral laws uh, are absolute and are binding on all people at all times and all places. Now having said that, just because the Bible, even if we assume the Bible is true, just because the Bible condemns a certain action as evil, as sin, does not mean that the government is supposed to therefore punish it. In other words, uh, the, the church is supposed to be in the business of leading people to salvation in Jesus and counseling and encouraging people to do the right thing. And so the church is supposed to, through persuasion uh, and counseling and preaching, to deal with the hearts of people. The government, on the other hand, the biblical view of government, government has a limited role. It's only supposed to deal with the outward behavior that would tend to infringe upon the rights of other human beings within that society. So in other words, um, there is going to be a disagreement between certain uh, some Christians as to whether or not uh, behaviors like homosexuality should be illegal or illegal. Um, most traditional Christians agree that abortion is the taking of a human life, so they would be opposed to that. Whatever the case, I think that this, this view between moral absolutes and moral relativism, that's kind of the basis for the disagreement. Now let me just run through the application of the, this Christian belief in moral absolutes, how it's usually applied in several different areas. Because the Christian believes that we were created, all mankind, all men, all women, were created in God's image, uh, the Christian believes in the sanctity of human life. Okay? In fact, I would argue that uh, the only real, ultimately logical basis for human government is the Christian doctrines of creation and the fall. Uh, creation, um, we were created in God's image, so human life is worth protecting. And the fall, because man has fallen into sin, and man uh, has, a, has a sinful nature, therefore human life needs protecting. Okay? But because all leaders of human governments are humans, human government has to be uh, limited in its power. Uh, sometimes if we give a government too much power, even to do something good, it's a two-edged sword, and they can also start doing evil things with that extra authority that they, it was never intended to have. Whatever the case, because we were created in God's image, human life is sacred, so reasons the Christian. And, uh, and, and this, by the way, being, all mankind being created in God's image refutes racism. So those uh, uh, people who profess to be Christians but then are prejudiced against others because of their race or their nationality or things of that sort, um, you know, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So a person can claim to be a Christian all they want. Uh, if their actions prove otherwise, uh, then if the shoe fits, wear it. And, uh, and, uh, but the Christian should believe that all uh, mankind uh, were created in God's image, and therefore all human life is sacred, and, 
basically the, the equality of, of man and woman in the eyes of God. Um, so people like the Ku Klux Klan who burn crosses to get attention to, they, they call themselves Christians, but really they're anathema to Christians? Or? Yeah, yeah, to true, true Christians, yeah. Yeah, totally anathema. The Ku Klux Klan is, uh, in fact, they have a, a, a total perversion uh, of the teachings of scriptures, uh, pulling passages totally out of their context uh, to try to argue for the superiority of the white race, uh, uh, the white supremacy movement, uh, the white Aryans, Ku Klux Klan, uh, groups of, the, of that type. I've been speaking out against those groups for uh, over a decade now. Uh, unfortunately, there are, there are those in the media who kind of have an anti-Christian bent that would like to throw Phil Fernandez in the same category as, as those who would uh, murder abortion doctors. I'm opposed to abortion, but I'm also opposed to, uh, I'm pro-life, I'm opposed to killing uh, an abortion doctor. Uh, I would also be uh, opposed to, uh, you know, these, these thugs that ended up uh, killing a, a young homosexual male. That is not the, the Christian position. And um, uh, so basically there, there's a lot of people that in, in the name of Christ, they name the name of Christ, profess the name of Christ, but end up doing acts uh, that are totally unchristian. Um, but the Christian believes that human life is sacred and God is the giver of life and only he has the right to take life. And uh, therefore, the, the Christian would be opposed to abortion. The Christian usually believes, and I think that medical science backs it. I, I would cite uh, Dr. Jerome Lejeune um, uh, and uh, a few other names that I can present from my, my notes if, if we need further documentation later. I'd be opposed to uh, infanticide, the killing of babies already born, and euthanasia, mercy killing. Um, you could put an animal out of its misery because it is an animal, but if a human being was created in God's image, human life is sacred, and the scriptures would have us to help alleviate the suffering of someone who's in pain and dying, but not uh, put them to death. Now, capital punishment, there are Christians that disagree. I believe that because human life is sacred, uh, the punishment must fit the crime, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus did not take away what he wrote in what God wrote to us in the book of Exodus, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, justice, fairness, the punishment fits the crime. What he took away from the Jews, he said, as you've heard it said, he took away their oral tradition, their misinterpretation of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, which was they thought the Jews of Christ time thought it okayed, uh, justified revenge and so uh, um, I would argue based on Genesis 9 6 uh, a passage that teaches that if one man kills another man sheds his blood kills another man then by man his blood must be shed because in the image of God uh, God made man and basically what it says human life is so sacred that God has decided to delegate some of his authority of punishing the wicked that if someone takes someone else's life, their life should be taken. Now, there are good Christians who disagree with me on that. Uh, and they believe that uh, the New Testament gospel of grace would, would supersede that. Um, but I, I would hold to capital punishment myself. And uh, I think it, it basically shows how sacred human life is that we forfeit our right to life if we take the life of another. I would be opposed to taking the lives of innocent human beings, unborn babies, infants, 
people who are, are ill, um, but I would not be opposed to uh, the putting to death of a Jeffrey Dahmer or a, uh, a Ted Bundy, you know, people of that sort. Uh, the Christian view of human sexuality, basically uh, Christ summed it up, he went back to the creation account and in Matthew 19 he basically argued that from the beginning God intended it to be one man and one woman for one lifetime. Now, uh, Jesus came to forgive sins and to give people a second chance. He's the God of a second chance. He makes all things new. So you do at times have people who step outside of God's will and God can forgive a truly repentant heart and can give us a new start and things of that sort. But the biblical ideal is one man and one woman for one lifetime. So therefore the Bible would condemn as sin all sex outside of monogamous heterosexual marriage. The Bible declares over and over again homosexuality to be a sin. Now one of the problems I see with the church today, by the way, there, there are an awful lot of outspoken Christians who have never thought through their philosophy of human government. Whereas our founding fathers, love them or hate them, they had a well thought through philosophy of human government. Uh, organizations like the Christian Coalition do not. They deal with things in bits and pieces without an overall philosophy. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, but basically, some people would argue because God had the nation of Israel stoned to death homosexuals, therefore the church should do the same. And I, I disagree. I don't believe that the uh, punishments for crimes applied in the nation of Israel necessarily should apply to all non-Jewish governments. And... Uh, so basically what I'm getting at is that uh, uh, the nation of Israel was different from the rest of the nations for two reasons. Number one, they were God's chosen nation, and as God's chosen nation, they would be an example to all other nations. So in some areas, God was firmer with them uh, than he would expect uh, to be with the uh, non-Jewish uh, non nations. Uh, secondly, they were a nomadic society. They were wandering through the wilderness, so you couldn't have this thing called prisoner, prison. Um, you know, you're moving a, a, a million people or so through the wilderness, it's pretty tough to have, you know, 50,000 or 500,000 prisoners and, and carry them with you and keep order. So it's kind of like you either, if you stole something, you pay it back sevenfold. Um, if you kill somebody, your life would be taken. And God determined uh, which acts uh, should there be uh, capital punishment, which one's not. But just to show you how strict God was, uh, with the nation of Israel, and one of the reasons why I, I, I don't think that we should just apply their uh, punishments for crimes across the boards, uh, the punishment for a rebellious child was the death penalty. So, you know, it was very important for God to keep the nation of Israel very spiritually pure to be his light to the rest of the world, so there was a special purpose for the nation of Israel. Some Christians tried to apply the punishments for crimes across the boards uh, to America and to other nations in the world. Uh, they're, they're called uh, theonomists or dominion theologians or reconstructionists and I find that to be a, a uh, perversion of God's word. Uh, whatever the case, this leads us to the Christian view of tolerance. And by the way, with homosexuality, I think that both Christians and non-Christians have to decide what kind of a government do we want. If we want to crack down on smoking and move further and further to the point where we're probably going to end up outlawing it someday, 
because of the ill effects on the people who smoke and because of secondhand smoke's effect on other people, then we need to also look at homosexuality, which uh, the lifespan for the average uh, homosexual is, is less than the lifespan for the average smoker. Um, there's over 300 different homosexual-related uh, diseases, uh, some of which, like tuberculosis and hepatitis B, can be spread through other means other than sexual contact. Um, and so basically what I'm getting at is we have to decide what kind of a nation we're going to be. If we're going to be more of a libertarian nation, then maybe we ought to leave smokers and homosexuals alone. If we're going to be more of a, uh, have more of a government that gets more involved in our lives and condemns practices of consenting individuals because it may have a detrimental effect on others as well, then uh, not only should almost not only should smoking be outlawed, but we, we probably would have to think about homosexuality as well to be consistent. Um, but whatever the case, even Christians are divided on that. Uh, all true traditional Christians agree homosexuality is a sin. The government's role with homosexuality, you have a wide divergence of views uh, among Christians. But the Christian view of tolerance is as follows. God cannot tolerate any sin. Uh, sin, by definition, is rebellion against Him in, in, in the ultimate sense. So God cannot tolerate any sin. He must punish sin in full. But that's what the Gospel teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the substitute sacrifice for our sins. So in other words, before God can forgive sin, it must be paid for in full. That's why He sent His Son to pay for our sins in full so that if we trust in Him for salvation, we would be forgiven. Um, uh, but human government uh, is not in the business of punishing all sin. It's only those sins which uh, would affect the well-being of the society uh, as a whole. And so human government must protect its people. Uh, human government should not tolerate practices that destroy its people. Now exactly what practices that destroy uh, uh, the, the, the people of this nation would be, you know, that's open to debate. Uh, but human government should not be in the business of punishing sin just because it's sin, but human government should punish outward practices that are harmful to its people. And um, uh, I, I, think you could, I think you could argue the American principle of freedom would be the freedom to do as you please so long as you don't infringe on someone else's rights. So if I would argue against uh, the legality of homosexuality, uh, I would argue along the lines of uh, its uh, effect on other people and uh, through uh, you know medical health issues spreading of tuberculosis hepatitis B um, but whatever the case uh, uh, Christians because of the teachings of the Bible believe in religious freedom uh, still human government cannot tolerate all behaviors certain behaviors must be outlawed there are many people that will slam Christians and say well you're intolerant because you draw lines and say certain people can't cross these lines. But it, it seems to me that these people are arguing, therefore the Christians are wrong and shouldn't espouse these views in the public arena, and so these people are drawing lines as well. And I don't think any one of us would want a Jeffrey Dahmer to walk the streets. So the question isn't, do you draw lines? We all have to draw lines if we're going to get along and live together in safety and in peace. We all have to draw lines, so that so it's not that we're one's intolerant, the other is is tolerant. Uh, both sides cannot tolerate certain actions, 
Uh, it's where we draw the line where the, deb where the debate is about. So I do not appreciate when people talk about Christians as being intolerant and they act like they're totally tolerant when number one, they can't tolerate my beliefs and then number two, they usually can't uh, uh, tolerate and rightfully so the actions of a serial murderer. Um, but whatever the case, uh, the human government cannot tolerate all behaviors. Certain behaviors must be outlawed if society is going to uh, you know, move forward and, and uh, have its people live in safety and in peace. Uh, and, and as I've stated, many defenders of tolerance uh, are actually intolerant themselves. Every once in a while you'll find a person who believes in the First Amendment freedom of speech and they are very, very uh, consistent with that. And they might disagree with me on everything else, but they will die to defend my freedom to proclaim my beliefs. And uh, I would hope that I would uh, be willing to die to protect their freedom to proclaim their beliefs um, but uh, but there are some that claim to be defenders of tolerance that are actually very intolerant. It's kind of like if you tolerate all life, if you don't tolerate all lifestyles, you should be imprisoned. You should be you know lose your freedom of speech. You should lose this. You should lose that. Blah blah blah. Well, th even that person can't tolerate all lifestyles because anyone who disagrees with them. And in other words, some people say they're for the First Amendment freedom of speech, but what they mean is they're only for freedom of speech so long as you agree with them. If you disagree with them, then uh, they don't believe you should have freedom of speech. So hopefully I, I clarified a few issues. I know that there's going to be people in this room probably more than, than not. I know my view is in the minority. I'm not uh, a guy who just goes around and proclaims the party line. Uh, and Christians are more and more becoming part of the traditional Christians, I should say, more and more part of the minority. So I know there's a lot of people that are going to disagree with me. I hope I didn't hurt any feelings. But at this point, I was opening up for, uh, for discussion and, and that type of thing. And, and um, you know, if anybody's feelings are hurt, I'm, again, I'm sorry. But, uh, but I hope we could just, you know, discuss it as human beings who really care about each other and, uh, and, and you know, discuss these matters in a civilized way. So... So I'll open up the floor at this point. Ross, you look like you have something to say. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am a non-denominational Christian, mm -hmm. and I feel that um, what God, uh, in my belief, is that what God wants us to do is spread His Word um, mm -hmm. and try to live our lives by His Word for our best ability and bring others to Christ. Now, I believe that... Um, what is said in Revelation will be coming sometime, maybe not in my life, but sometime soon. Um, all I believe is that we should, for those who want to live by His Word and become His children, then that is their the choice. What, um, as far as uh, how they live under America's government or even in the world's government, that is their choice. We live in a uh, a Christian ethic government. Um, if we were to become um, anti-Christ government, there is no morals in anti-Christ. Because that's where, fine, anti-Christ, that's where our basis comes from. We do not kill each other, we do not hurt each other, that's what it is. 
when we become antichrist, which is exactly going into, you can become totally tolerant of homosexuality, you can become totally tolerant of anything. That's when all hell is going to break loose, literally. And we're living in a Christian ethic society. It needs to stay that way. And we can all have our own free voice. And we can live that way for a long, long time. We do not need to be forcing our beliefs onto other people. We will talk to them. We express our feelings. And that is how, if that's any way, we're going to bring other people to Christ. I believe that is what God wants us to do. Yeah, I would agree with uh, pretty much uh, d d most of what you said. And, and the only thing I would di I would differ on is that I think that I would say we're, we're living in a, in a country where it's government, it's people, it's society is based upon a watered-down Christian ethic. So in other words, we're, we're kind of moving in the opposite direction. I, w I will say this, too, that uh, um, societies... And I'm not making a prediction for the future, but I will say this, the societies that have tolerated paganism and homosexuality uh, have tended throughout history to be societies that did not tolerate Christianity. Societies that tolerated Christianity tended to be societies that eventually, you know, in other words, they would outlaw things like paganism and, and uh, uh, at least the extremes, I would say, of paganism when you get into you know things like human sacrifice and, and, and that type of thing but um, but whatever the case um, that's what our free society is all about is for people to you know, have the freedom to say in their government even our founding fathers believed that the Constitution was a document that would grant its people uh, freedom so long as they were responsible enough to hold their political leaders in check and they also said that it was a document for a religious people. And, and keep in mind, uh, uh, there were some areas which uh, 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 at the outset appear to be glaring, such as slavery, glaring contradictions of some of the principles of our founding fathers, such as all men are created equal. At the same time, um, many of our founding fathers actually wanted to abolish slavery and the slave trade uh, while the Declaration of Independence was being written, uh, the, the Southern delegates were opposed to that, and uh, there was a pragmatic decision that was made for the purpose of unity in order to break loose from Great Britain. But whatever the case, I'm, I'm not saying our founding fathers were perfect, uh, but they did recognize that uh, it, was a, it was a freedom that would only be protected if the people were responsible and a religious people, and by that they meant within the, the Christian, Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, had you had your hand up? Oh, I was just going to say, so many of our founding fathers um, declared all men were equal and carried on and had slaves mm -hmm. and didn't treat them pretty well, and I don't think religion, state, mm -hmm. and government have anything to do with each other. I feel that people have every right because if everything's created in the name of God, why is God doing all of this dissension between the religions? Because Jews hate this and that, Christians hate this and Christians and this sect hate Christians and that sect, and there's been so many wars fought in the name of God. And, um, what, what, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, I just think that everybody has to relate, relate right to believe in a higher power but you have to define your own higher power and that 
government is the government of the people and since we have to get along as a sect together, we're going to have to have something other than religious. So that's then, why I think laws are... Yeah, so then you're, what you're saying then is that you agree with the Christian ethic of religious yeah. freedom. Because you, you yeah. can't you can't get that from Marxist communism. I mean, the Soviet Union and China alone, in the name of atheism and Marxist uh, communism, slaughtered over 120 million people uh, during peacetime. 120 million of their own people just this century alone, which is more people, which is more people that have died in the history of all man's wars put together. So, so basically, uh, yes, people in the name of Christ were inconsistent Christians, like the, the Inquisition, a good portion of the people who were put to death, in my view, were Bible-believing Christians rebelling against a church that had gone sour and had actually contradicted its own Bible. Um, but yes, you had thousands upon thousands killed in the Inquisition, uh, but in the name of atheism in this century alone, we've had millions butchered. Nazi Germany, uh, Adolf Hitler, when you read his occultic views, it was more of a pantheistic uh, view, very similar to the New Age movement. And in the end, he slaughtered several millions. And if, if, if he was allowed to run his course, there would have been many more millions that would have died at his hands as well. So basically what I'm saying is... Uh, Man, by definition, is dogmatic. You've got to be dogmatic about something. There's no escape from it. And um, uh, but it's the Christian, the Judeo-Christian ethic um, that has basically invented this thing called uh, religious freedom. The ancient Roman and Greek emperors didn't have uh, religious freedom. Your emperor was basically spoke in the place of God. Um, but. Uh, uh, but I would agree that uh, it is not my job, nor it is the government's job, to force people to become Christians. Uh, at the same time, um, if there's any segment of our society that is rapidly losing the freedom of speech, uh, I would argue it's the Christians. My taxpayers' money goes into the public schools totally against my will um, and basically trains children and uh, that Phil Fernandez's worldview is totally out to lunch from beginning to end. So, uh, uh, yeah, I went uh, my last uh, year and a half. Before that, I went to uh, Catholic school, but I've, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of research and to read uh, a lot of the curriculum uh, of the uh, uh, public schools. So uh, I think it's fairly, uh, I know about Goals 2000, Outcome-Based Education, Certificate of Mastery. That's what I was saying, though, is didn't you go to public school, which gave you the right to make up your own mind and choose a different school? So you're Oh, I, I went, I, I, I went to a high school where we would always have, um, there was a teacher from the that would come early in the morning and have, um, prayer meetings. Mm. And we fought the school over that, and it ended up, they ended up kicking us out mm -hmm. of the school system with that. Are you, yeah. are you not freedom? What's that? Are you Catholic? No, I used to be Catholic. I was, I went to uh, St. Aloysius. Uh, grammar school and then I d delivered newspapers and paid my way through a year and a half SS Catholic High School in uh, North New Jersey. Uh, so I was raised Catholic. Uh, I was not really a true Christian. There are Catholics that are true Christians. Uh, but uh, I just went to Catholic Church because my, my father had a good right hand. So, you know, I didn't want to bring down his wrath on me, so I went to church on Sundays. It wasn't until I was in the Marine Corps 
and uh, I kind of reached the end of my rope. Uh, life was a little bit too slow paced out here on the west coast and I was looking for answers and and I tried a lot of different things and eventually I became uh, a Christian, trusted in Christ for salvation. But I stayed a Catholic for two years and felt led to leave Catholicism because I thought I was interpreting a, a lot of passages from the scriptures differently from the, the historic Roman Catholic position. But uh, my, I think I'm the only Fernandez out of about 300 back east that is no longer a Roman Catholic. So. Right. Oh. Go ahead, Ken. There's an awful lot of passages that, that talk that about it. That yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it usually it's referred to as sodomy, um, but uh, there are you know different terms that are used. So uh, is no, no. It's it's actually the words have meanings and. Uh, and if someone studies the Greek and the Hebrew, uh, they can see very clearly, yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, Paul in one passage, I mean, just to throw a few out, Leviticus chapter 18 says that not only will the widespread practice of homosexuality defile the Jewish nation, but it, it had already defiled non-Jewish nations before them. Um, Romans chapter 1 condemns not only uh, all sex outside of marriage, but it condemns homosexuality and even uh, homosexual or sinful sexual desires. So even in the realm of the mind, God condemns. Again, just because God condemns it doesn't mean that he wants the government to automatically outlaw it. That's a whole other issue, and there's a lot of complexities that have to be dealt with there. But Paul uh, even uses two different terms. I believe it's in First Timothy to condemn homosexuality, and, and there's... Everybody is pretty much agreed he's covering the homosexual community, but there's two different words that are being used, and um, and uh, there's a little bit of debate as far as maybe one of the two groups might be uh, homosexual prostitutes, but the other group is just regular homosexuals, and then there's a few other views. I, I debated the issue with uh, the former. At the time, he was the president of Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, uh, Reverend Farley Maxwell, I debated in the Lower Columbia College on the biblical perspective of homosexuality. We have both audio cassettes and uh, video cassette uh, uh, of that debate at the Institute. He's a Christian? Uh, he professes faith in Christ, yeah. And, and uh, uh, it's a hard... See, I believe that to be, a, to be a Christian, you have to trust in Jesus, the true Jesus of the Bible alone for salvation. And... Um, now there's a lot of implications of that and I, I think that a lot of Christians are true Christians they're not consistent with uh, the, the implications of that belief and so it's, but I, I really don't know I, I, uh, he was a very gentle man a very nice man he treated me like a king and I tried to treat him like a king in return he was just a very, very nice guy and, uh, and so I don't know uh, you know if he's a, a true believer or not but uh, um, but basically uh, uh, I know he holds a watered-down view of the scriptures because he was saying that when Paul... First he tried to say that uh, the Bible really doesn't condemn homosexuality and he mentioned some supposedly current scholar and so what I argued was that it wasn't until this century that people began to twist the words of scriptures and come up with that view and I named basically uh, 
uh, the leading theologians in the history of the church from the time of Paul till till the present. And, uh, and then I went into the Greek and the Hebrew to explain the the uh, uh, obvious sense of the words. And so then he saw that there was no way out of it. Um, the Bible does condemn those practices as sin. And so then uh, uh, what he did was he said it was Paul's biases and Paul's bigotries that were coming out. And so then my question to him was how can the Bible be God's word if it uh, contains errors because of Paul's uh, prejudices? So Now at the same time, C.S. Lewis was a true believer in my estimation, yet uh, he believed many of the Old Testament miraculous events were only myths. They didn't really occur. So uh, a guy does not have to hold my high view of scriptures, which I think is the same as Jesus' high view of scriptures, uh, in order to be a Christian. He, there are inconsistent Christians, and I don't know if uh, Reverend Farley Maxwell will fall into that classification or not. So. Does that answer your question, Kim? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. In your opinion, do you think that homosexuality, homosexuals should be allowed into the church? Well, it, it, it's a good question. Should homosexuals be allowed into the church? Um, I'd say yes and no. Uh, yes, the, our church doors should be open to all people who want to come in and hear the gospel being preached. At the same time, uh, if people habitually continue in a sinful practice, then eventually, and, it, and they will not repent, eventually they may have to be removed. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Matthew chapter 18. Basically what it amounts to is, um, should a thief be allowed into church? Yes. You allow a thief into church, you preach the gospel to him if he accepts it, if he repents from his sins, if he shows evidence that his life is changing, praise God. But if his life doesn't change and he continues to steal eventually you have to say look the, the bible speaks out against this and then the bible tells us that if you don't repent we have to ask you to leave because uh, eventually more people will begin to pick up that practice god did make the decision ma'am and he wrote it in his word so i just got to go with the book that i'm not like farley maxwell the day i stop preaching this book i'll get another job um but god in his word told us exactly how to deal with certain sins Homosexuality is one of the ones listed. Uh, sexual promiscuity is listed as well. Um, stealing is, is listed as well. And, uh, and it's very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 because a guy was living with his father's wife in, in a state of sin. Uh, so it was probably it was his stepmother, otherwise it would have been called his mother. Uh, Paul said, remove the wicked man from your midst. And he said, a little leaven leavens the whole dough. In other words, sin will spread like cancer throughout. See, basically, the Christian church is not a social club where people just hang out. The Christian church is supposed to be uh, the assembly of people who follow the Lord Jesus and follow his teachings. And so, um, though you have every right to your view, um, uh, my church is hopefully an obedient church of the Lord Jesus Christ, so he's my master. Not your views, not Ted Turner's views, and I have to serve Jesus. And I fear, the, I, I, I love the Lord Jesus, but the fact of the matter is, uh, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, he is the ultimate judge. And I have more respect uh, for the wrath of Jesus than I do for the wrath of Ted Turner, uh, or than I do for the wrath of the United Nations, or 
whatever, or the United States government. So basically what I'm getting at is uh, um, uh, Christian Assembly is not just a social club. Uh, if we're going to follow the teachings of Christ, uh, Christ gives us advice. But yes, we are supposed to witness to... to uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that no homosexual, no idolater, no fornicator, no thief will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, but such were some of you, but you were cleansed. And so the Bible does not teach that homosexuals cannot be saved. The Bible does not teach that thieves cannot be saved, that sexually immoral heterosexuals cannot be saved, that adulterers cannot be saved. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that anyone who turns to Jesus alone for salvation can be saved. Uh, however, when they're saved by Christ, that will make changes in their life. And, uh, and if people don't make those changes, then, then God gives in His Word instruction for what a biblical church is going to do. Now, although probably most churches today are not doing what the Bible says to do in that area. Um, and, uh, you know, but each pastor and each Christian has to stand before the Lord someday and uh, so I'm going to remain true to what the Lord said. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the concepts that we talked about in this class when we were talking about this issue was um, was homosexuality um, genetic? Is there is it a, is it a physical, biological cause for for people to be homosexual, mm-hmm. or is it a learned behavior and and shaped by environmental pressures? Um, does that have any bearing on on? Uh, it doesn't matter what the source of it is as far as Christian Christianity is concerned, or it's it's kind of a yes in one sense, no in another sense type answer. I, I would say I think that the scientific suppose the scientific evidence for homosexuality being genetic is is extremely weak. Most of the studies deal with only between 35 to 60 different uh, uh, autopsies that were being done. Uh, in most cases, the only uh, practicing homosexuals corpses that were examined uh, were victims of AIDS. So uh, we don't know if the differences in, in parts, the parts of their brains were due to uh, the effect of AIDS or if, if that's the way their, their brains were to begin with. Um, that's number one. Uh, so I, I think the evidence is pretty weak there. Number two, we do have evidence of people who came out of um, a heavy homosexual lifestyle. There's several organizations in Seattle of former homosexuals who have now become Christians who claim that through the power of the Lord Jesus you can be set free from homosexuality. Many of these people are, are still single. Many of them are uh, married to a, a, uh, an opposite, a member of the opposite sex and, and have children and uh, things of that sort. So uh, um, the other thing that I would say, even if it was proven that it was genetic, one thing the Bible does, the Bible teaches that because Adam and Eve fell in the garden and we inherited our natures from them, um, we inherited a sinful nature. In other words, we uh, have a, a tilt in the direction of sin. We have a, a bias in the direction of sin. And when, when you bring, I, I have a grandson that I really love, a little guy, but I have to admit, as much as I love him and as great of a guy as he is, he's only like a year and three months old, the fact of the matter is I do not have to teach him how to disobey and touch things he's not supposed to touch. He does that naturally. And so what I have to do is teach him not to do the wrong things and try to teach him to do the right things. So uh, uh, basically what I'm getting at is 
even though we are by nature sinners, the Bible still says that we need to accept Jesus as Savior and then allow Jesus to clean up our lives. Um, and therefore, if a person was a homosexual by nature, and I'm not sure that's the case, but if a person was a homosexual by nature, God's command would be, you know, some people might be violent by nature. Uh, some people are born cocaine addicts, but because that's a harmful uh, practice, um, we wean them off of that and, and try to uh, get it to the point where they can live a healthy life and grow up and, and, and not go into that type of lifestyle. So even if, we, if people were uh, born homosexuals, God would still command them to come to the Lord Jesus for salvation and then for deliverance not only from the penalty of sin, uh, but also from the, from the practice of sin and uh, the power of sin in one's life. And uh, so basically, uh, you know, the Lord Jesus uh, has the ability to drastically change human beings to such an extent that a new believer is referred to as a new creation in the scriptures. And that's where the, the expression born again mm -hmm. uh, comes into play. Megan, did you have anything you want to say? No. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> Funny, I thought you'd have something to say. Anybody else have any questions or Observations, Roz, any more? Yeah, okay. What would you do if your your little three year old uh, Benson? Yeah, he's uh, a, a year three months. Uh -huh. What if you what if he turned to say certain age and came to you and said he was a homosexual? Mm -hmm. Would you think you could take him to your God and um, convert him and make him marry a heterosexual person and have I would like I uh I, you know, I'm a pretty, in some people's view, I'm a pretty rough and tumble guy. I lift weights, but just looking at my grandson right now and looking at the size of his father, I would estimate that even if I wanted to make him marry a woman someday, which I would not make anybody marry anybody else, but I don't think I'd even be able to do it even if I wanted to. From the looks of him, he's going to be an extremely big kid, but even if he wasn't, I wouldn't make him do anything. But what I would do is, uh, you know, uh, what do you do with a chain smoker? You plead with them and because you love them, you encourage them to stop that practice because it's very harmful to their life. And that's what I do with homosexuals. I plead with them uh, to flee from that lifestyle, not only for spiritual reasons, but for physical reasons as well. I mean, uh, people don't like Paul Cameron's research, which with 7,500 test cases, um, he showed that the average life expectancy of a male homosexual is only four, 41 years. Uh, I think it's something like 43 years if they don't get AIDS, 39 years if they do get AIDS. Uh, people don't like that research, but the same people who don't like that research use his research to prove the ill effects of secondhand smoke. So how he can be an expert in one area and, and not in another when both areas are overlapped, same type of research, same test cases, 